Hello, and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today, we will be opening up the Salt and Light Hope Chest and pulling out some of our favorite conversations from the spring of 2019. We begin by speaking with author Danielle Bean about how women in the Old Testament can be models for all of us today. And then we meet a Catholic band from Miami, Epic, the band. In our second half hour, we speak with Fulton Sheen expert Al Smith. You don't want to miss that conversation. And at the end of the program, we reconnect with singer-songwriter Taylor Tripodi, and we listen to music from her latest album, Awakening. Remember to visit us at saltandlighttv.org radio and to comment on anything that you hear on this program or to ask any questions, just look for me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook or Twitter. We begin now with Women in the Old Testament. Now, I know that most of you probably don't even read the Bible, and I know this because you've told me. And for those of you who do read the Bible, you're probably not reading a lot of the Old Testament because we find it hard to connect with those stories. But they are timeless stories that teach us a lot about our realities today. Author Danielle Bean tells us that all these stories are relevant today. In her new book, You Are Enough, What Women of the Bible Teach You About Your Mission and Worth, she shows us how stories of women in the Bible teach us about God's love and give women valuable lessons for today. And to tell us more, I am uh, now joined by Danielle Bean. Danielle, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. So, um, how did you, I mean, is this a new thing for you as well? Did you, were you interested in reading stories of the Old Testament and, and women in the Old Testament before you, uh, you know, dove into this project? I really wasn't. I mean, honestly, <laughs> like you just introduced your listenership, I was right there in that same boat. Yeah. You know, I, I loved the New Testament, and that was where I focused. And, you know, my book prior to this one was focused on women in the New Testament. Felt great, felt very natural, it was a good fit for me. I love focusing on Jesus and the real-life women that he talked to and walked with and healed and touched. It's so inspiring to me. But when Ascension approached me with the idea for this particular follow-up book, of course it seems like a no-brainer, right? You did women in the New Testament, time for the Old Testament. I was a little hesitant because... My prior experiences with attempting to read the Old Testament were, were quite difficult at times, and it's hard to understand sometimes these circumstances, these people yeah. who seem so very different from ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting because, I mean, you'd think that we'd feel that same way about the New Testament. I mean, they're, they're just as far removed from us. <laughs> I know! <laughs> you know? But, you know, but yeah, but I think you're right. You can relate to Mary and Elizabeth and Mary Magdalene, but you can't relate to right. Tamar. I mean, like, um, how did you, how did you figure out which women to focus on? Because obviously you did, couldn't do all of them. Right, right. So, I mean, it was sort of a combination approach where I thought about some of the messages that I believe women in today's modern world need to hear about God's unique love for them, God's personal love for them, God's unchanging, timeless love for each of us individually, personally, uniquely. And I think that women nowadays need to be reminded of that more than ever. So the title of the book is You Are Enough, and I felt like that was a message that so many women, I work with women through my work, through Mm -hmm. my ministry every day, and I feel like that's a message that so many women are hungry for, they need to hear that truth about God's abiding love for them, and that they are enough, that God made them good, because 
there's so much in our culture that tells them the opposite of that. Right. And you could listen to those messages yes. and go down that, that path and wind up in a terrible place. So I really wanted to be able to give women that message. Then I read through some of these stories of women in the Old Testament with those eyes, looking for women whose struggles could mirror our own today. Mm-hmm. I was surprised by how many I did find. There were so many I couldn't put them all in the book. Right. Um, that, that women's struggles haven't changed. Our stories are the same. So some of those circumstances, yeah, it's weird. There's all kinds of interesting and yes. you know crazy to our modern um, our modern perspectives things that go on in the Old Testament. But at its heart, at its root, these women are women like women today. We struggle with the same things. We struggle to trust. We struggle to know God loves us. We struggle to be obedient. We, mm-hmm. we struggle to know our worth, and that's very much um, you know what I had in mind as I was picking through these stories with various themes and right. wanting to remind women today of their unique gifts and strengths. Right. So, so in a way, the the way that you stru- decided to structure the book is is important. So you picked not just characters but themes. What is what is one theme? Right. Tell us a little bit about how you structure each chapter because it's almost. I mean, it's almost. It almost can be used as a study guide. Almost can be used as 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 personal reflection. Um, wh- why did right. you want to write write structure the book the way you did? Yeah, well, I was keeping in mind those themes, those things that I, I feel like are important mm-hmm. messages for women to hear, and then just pulling out those characters. And um, you know, and you're right. It is it is set up so that it could very well be a study. I've heard from women who've gotten together, not in any formal way, but just with girlfriends on a regular basis to right. talk about a chapter a week. Yeah. There is a companion um, journal okay. that is available if people email me. If you email me, danielle at daniellebean.com, I will get you a copy of that okay. journal. It was like a freebie giveaway that we did to promote pre-orders early on, but now we just have it, so I'd love for people to have that resource if okay. you're together with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a whole retreat that's based around the themes in okay. the book. Okay. So, very much interested in bringing women together to talk about these things, talk about these things that we have in common, these struggles that we have in common, but then also to just celebrate the ways in which we're different, our unique perspectives. Right. And you end each chapter with a prayer from, written by a a woman saint, which I think is totally cool. Yeah, and I think that's such a rich part of our church's history, our yes. the communion of saints. So many women have gone before us, and mm-hmm. um, they have so much to learn from their stories. And I love being able to include some of their words of prayer at the end of each chapter, kind of along with the themes of the chapter. Yeah. Um, wh- which is your favorite one? Oh, I, <laughs> I can't pick this one. But you know what? who I was most surprised by yeah. was my reading, my new eyes reading of the story of Bathsheba with King Okay, David, yes. That I was so moved by the fact that I had never previously realized just how sexist I was in my previous readings of that story. Interesting. Because I think, like many people, I approached that story, read it, you know, she, King David lusted after her, and, you know, it's this salacious story that we read, right? Right. That he watched her bathing and all of this, and I think we tend to think that she's a seductress of some yeah. kind. Well, there's no, there's nothing in Scripture that tells us that. No. We don't hear her perspective. This woman who is happily married to another man, yeah. a good and honest and loyal man, by the way, mm-hmm. um, who was called to by King David and used in this way and then sent away afterwards, right. and then mistreated in different ways as when she had the audacity to turn up pregnant. You know, it's a classic Me Too story yes. that took place so long ago. Yes. And so I think that that's something that many women in modern world can understand that perspective, can understand that feeling that we didn't hear what Bathsheba's consent was, whether or not she was a willing participant in this. No. It's very unlikely that she was, and that God saw her in that. God saw her in her pain. 
Yeah, that's a great example, actually. And you've just made the connection between a story that happened so long ago and something that's so relevant today. I mean, the the Me Too movement. I mean, it's so, Mm -hmm. in a way, sad that it seems that it's always been that <laughs> it's always been that right. way that problem has always existed between men and women and and male dominance and women being victimized um right. I, I was reading it thinking that it felt like it was very much written for not just women but for younger women is that the case or, um, or would you even say that it's also a book that's for men Oh, for sure. You know, I think we have an awful lot to learn from reading about other people, others' perspectives, both male and female. Yeah. Um, but for sure, I did have young women in mind because I'm a mom of daughters. I've yeah. got young daughters, and um, that's very much on my mind. What is the message that these young girls need to hear today about their worth in the eyes of God? Right. And it's very much been my goal as their mom to raise them with a sense of who they are, mm-hmm. their unique their unique dignity and inherent worth that they have as daughters of God, because having the privilege of having been raised that way myself, I know what a defense it can be against the lies that the world will tell us about who we are, the ways in which others might try to use us, the ways in which the world might disrespect us. Mm -hmm. That If you have that core identity in place, it's truly a powerful thing, and it makes a woman a powerful creature to accomplish great things, a great force for the good. And that's what God's mission is for each of us. He has a unique plan for each of us, but he calls us to great things. And we can do those great things if we're, first of all, rooted, firmly grounded in our identity as daughters of God and the worth that comes with that. Right. Um, and and I was just going to, we're almost running out of time, but I, I wanted to add that you also made it really personal to you. So these struggles are not just generic struggles that women have, but these are struggles that Danielle Bean has even had um, at various stages in your life. And I really appreciate it. In fact, that was the, for me, in a way, the best part of each chapter that you started with a personal story of something that was very real to me because it was real to you. And then you, you, you made the connection with, with these exemplary women in the old Testament, that there's a reason why these stories are told in the Bible. They're not random. But they're true. Exactly. They're, God has a plan, and there's a, a unique message for each of us inside of Scripture, and a message for all women in a general sense, but for each of us uniquely. So I really, if someone is hesitant to read the Old Testament, this book is a great kind of It is a good starter, companion, a good yeah. place to begin. Actually, that's a good, good point. Yeah, so get this book, and then grab your Bible, and read both of them together. Um, Danielle, we're going to leave it there, but thank you so much for writing the book. I know it's not, it's not your first book, and I know it's not going to be your last, so um, uh, keep doing <laughs> what you're doing and, and your ministry to women in general is is uh, wonderful so thank you for that thank you so much for having me God bless you Danielle Bean is the brand manager for CatholicMom.com she's the former publisher and editor-in-chief of the Catholic Digest she's also the creator and host of The Gist a weekly Catholic women's television talk show airing on Catholic TV and also on Salt and Light TV she is also the creator and host of the Popular Girlfriends podcast She's everywhere. Danielle Bean is the author of several books. Her latest, You Are Enough, What Women of the Bible Teach You About Your Mission and Worth, is published by Ascension. And you can uh, contact Danielle at her website, daniellebean.com. And uh, for a copy of that journal that she mentioned, you can email her, danielle at daniellebean.com. We're going to put all that information on our site, saltandlighttv.org slash radio, so you can find it easily. Here now is our featured band of the week, Epic the Band with Divine from their album Creation. 
That was Epic the Band with Divine from their album Creation. And I'm still trying to figure out more about Epic the Band. I met them at World Youth Day 2019 in Panama, but didn't really know who they were. And I know, I mean, I know that they're based in Miami. I've learned that Epic, E-P-I-C, stands for Eternal Power in Christ. And I know from listening to their music that it's not just any one genre. They're a mix of Latin, jazz, electronic, pop, and funk. As Catholic musicians, that's pretty unique. So why don't we learn more? Joining me now is Charles Gonzalez. He's the drummer and band leader. Charles, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me. It's great to have you, and, and uh, I'm sorry that I didn't know who you guys were when I met you in January. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay, no problem. It won't happen again. I really happening. like how you, how you introduced it with the, with the funk, I love that. <laughs> it's good, it's good, it's good. But yeah, there's, yeah, but yeah. I must say, there's very little information about you guys online. So um, mm-hmm. uh, t- tell me a little bit about the band, because I see... Uh, I mean, Daniel Rodriguez, Charles Gonzalez, Ricky Gonzalez, Adrian Gonzalez. Is this like family? <laughs> so it, that is the funny part. No, we're not. We're not related. You're not? <laughs> you all have not, the same last just name. I happen to have the same last name. <laughs> okay, so so Charles Gonzalez is not related to Ricky Gonzalez and not related to Adrian Gonzalez. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you guys, so how did you guys, uh, how did you guys meet? How did you end up starting playing uh, so, together? We actually uh, met in our youth group. Oh yeah. And, uh, yeah, we, we we played in the in the in the in the choir for the youth band. Okay. And uh, and we've known each other for I mean I, I'm talking about maybe about like ten years. 10, right. Seven, like seven, ten years around there. Yeah. And uh, and and not too long after I want to say like after you know playing with each other and getting to know each other and then actually coming close together. Uh, we formed uh, the Epic Ministry, uh-huh. and from the Epic Ministry, that's where Epic the Band was born. Okay, so Epic Ministry yeah. is something different than Epic the Band. Yes, yes. So the Epic Ministry is focused on uh, formation. We help the youth uh, with their formation, whether whether it's a confirmation retreat, okay, or uh, just rent. You know, any anytime they want uh, they want us to go out and do a talk or something like that, we can go out and and do that for them. Right, um, so yeah. so I I said that the music is a, is a mix of pretty much a lot of things, um, but how would you describe your music? I want to say it's sort of kind of like an electric pop, yeah, and also some kind of like rock in there, yeah. But definitely, I mean, you, you hit it on the nail because we all have yes some kind of background. Like uh, Ricky, he's like a jazzy. Uh-huh guy like he likes that jazz and then I, li- I i love classic rock oh yeah yeah and then our producer daniel he and he's also the keyboardist he yeah. loves like hip-hop trap and that style of music so it's kind of like putting all of those genres in one right right and uh coming up with something unique something different <laughs> it is and it is very unique um but but you guys I didn't. I didn't mention two of the other band members jessica justo and ivan castro um yes you guys are all Latinos, so yes, we are. But do you? But you're not doing Latino music. We're working on it. We just. <laughs> <laughs> we're, it's, it's a little, ¿Qué pasa? Since, um, since we were raised out here in, in the in the states, uh, yeah. Um, we've we've kind of adapted to the English, yeah. and then now now we're we're starting to to uh, get into uh, uh, translating all of our songs. For okay. example, we came out with 
right before going to Panama, we came out with uh, the Spanish version of Steady Love, which uh -huh. is Santa Amor. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and working on our album now to see uh, what what are the pop the, the popular ones in that in the in the album, so we can translate those into Spanish. Nice. And maybe in Portuguese, because because uh, you're now, going now, to you know, <laughs> World Youth Day is going to be in Portuguese. Because you're so. thinking about you're <laughs> thinking about Lisbon 2022. Yeah, we heard uh, we played Steady Love at the beginning of the program, so people, if they mm -hmm. were listening at the early uh, at the beginning of the program, they would have heard that. Um, so when you're doing retreats, confirmation retreats, and things like that, do you, is some of part is is part of that ministry in Spanish with uh, Latino or Hispanic communities? Um, not. Not uh, mainly. It's, it's been mostly all in, in yeah English. in English. Um, the band, the band, we focus more on, on the Latino community. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, the the the, the ministry just focused on, on on the English part since everybody mostly it's like all the youth around here is mostly English dominant. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, can I ask you personally about your? I mean, you were grew up playing music were you writing are you do you write some of the music yes yes I actually uh co-wrote uh steady love oh yeah nice yeah and uh, well i i actually grew up playing baseball <laughs> um and that was like my 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 my, my dream yeah and my uncle started getting me into music when i was about like 14 or so okay um as a drummer you were doing i actually started out in latin percussion i started out with congas uh -huh. see uh, yeah actually played in the salsa band for a bit. Oh, yeah. Nice. Um, and it wasn't until I came around to the band that I picked up the drums. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So what what would you say your hopes for the music is? You, do you want to continue doing ministry retreats and things like that? Or do you, would you like to do more concerts, more recordings, or everything? Uh, I think I think our, our long-run goal or dream... Yeah. Would be to actually like spread our music, you know, through any any means possible. Um, whether if it's a concert, whether if it's a retreat. Right. Um, I think I think one of our biggest goals is to to be able to interact with those people that are listening to our music. Yeah. And just kind of like get to see where they are, where they are at, at their faith, if, mm -hmm. if, or where they're going through, what are the problems that they're going through. And somehow, maybe with our music, we can create some kind of positivity or some kind of hope um, in them. Yeah, of course, because um, you have sorry. And of course, of, of course, through uh, Christ, you know. Yes, yeah. Hey, don't forget him. Um, you have because it's two albums that you've published, Epic and Creation, right? Yeah. So Epic was our EP. Yeah. And then Creation was our our, our full album. Right. Um, yeah. But then you've released several singles, as well. Yes. So mm -hmm. is that the hope that they're working already on a new next album, a new album? Uh, we're actually been focusing on, on releasing singles because I, I, I don't know if you've noticed that a lot of the, at least in the music industry, yes. it's been everybody just releasing singles and yes. singles. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. and then we also wanted to keep it fresh for, for everybody. So like, so we can be um, coming out with new music, you know, and, and, in a shorter amount of time than like, you know an album which took us like a full year to actually finish. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. So you're hoping to go to Portugal. I guess that's oh, it. Definitely. And, and you're uh so in the meantime you're also touring, uh yes. participating in did you get a chance to participate in any of the 
again, I sort of keep thinking you guys are doing Hispanic ministry. So I'm thinking about Encuentro and, and big, you know, Hispanic conferences like that. Um, but I mean, there's so much happening in the United States in terms of uh, ministry or music ministry or conferences. Are you uh, hoping to participate in, in events like that and, and kind of do your ministry through those? Uh, definitely. Events? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We've actually uh, already worked with Encuentros. Yeah. And we've done a few a few concerts for them. And uh, honestly, we, 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 we just want to help out everybody, everybody in the community as, as you know, we are one church, so you know any way that we can help, and, and especially start forming the next leaders of tomorrow. That that that's where we'll be. Absolutely, and I think you're you're on your way. The certainly the music is 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 pretty unique as as quote unquote Catholic groups go, um, and you guys are still. I mean, young. I mean, you started this what three years ago? So three years ago, you got yeah. you got lots <laughs> lots more to go. So I hope to see you in Portugal. And it's been Definitely. great uh, meeting you, Charles. Uh, thank you for sharing your music with us today. Likewise, likewise. Thank you for having me. You can learn all about Epic, the band, their ministry and music. You can learn how to bring them to your parish or your event to purchase their music at their website, EpicTB, so E-P-I-C-T-B dot com. I'm going to put that link on our site, saltandlighttv.org slash radio, so you can find it easily. And also, if you missed any part of this segment or listen to the rest of the show, you can go to our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Here now is Epic, the band with one of those singles that Charles was talking about, Forever. Listening to Epic the Band with their single Forever. This is a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Check out our website at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. 
One of the most curious reasons for ever listening to this program was given last week. One woman said to another, be sure to listen to Bishop Sheen. He's wonderful. You know, in order to get an audience, all he uses is a piece of chalk and a blackjack. I think it's pretty safe to say that most of you recognize that voice. The voice of Archbishop Fulton Sheen. He's known for his radio program, The Catholic Hour, that he hosted for 20 years from 1930 to 1950. He then moved to television with his show Life is Worth Living. Uh, We still air episodes from that program. And then from 1961 to 1968, he hosted the Fulton Sheen program. He won two Emmys. He's really best known as one of the greatest televangelists. Alan Smith has been following Archbishop Sheen for a long, long time and for the last seven years has been hosting a radio program that presents Archbishop Sheen's broadcasts. He then compiled all of Sheen's writings on the last words of Christ on the cross into one book, Cries of Jesus from the Cross, a Fulton Sheen anthology. And so if you want to know anything about Fulton Sheen, there's no better person to speak to. So I'm very happy to have Alan Smith uh, joining us now on the program. Al Smith, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Uh, thank you, Deacon Pedro, for having me. I appreciate that very much. No, I'm so glad that we were finally able to uh, make this work. Um, how did you get interested in Fulton Sheen? Well, it was a, a God incident, as we say. Uh, 2009, I was dropping my daughter off to a small Catholic college called Our Lady Seat of Wisdom. Yeah. And uh, there, when we were in the office, uh, the library is attached to the office, and they were giving away a few older, tattered books that they wanted to make room in the library for the new editions, mm-hmm. and there they were giving away a few old Bishop Sheen books, and uh, my good wife, uh, being uh, the woman that she is, very thrifty, but also looking uh-huh. out for the soul, yeah. uh, found the book called Peace of Soul, okay. and uh, we read that book together, and the first line in that book is, unless souls are saved, nothing is saved, hmm. and I knew Bishop Sheen had me there with that one line, unless wow. souls are saved nothing is saved. And I just started to read book after book after book of Bishop Sheen's writings. And uh, the next thing I know, I I said, (laughs) we can do the radio show. And um, uh, I've been in the radio, uh, I say business, (laughs) since 2006. Uh, Just Mm -hmm. a community radio station doing a couple shows. And I went to my producer and I said, hey, I have an idea of a Bishop Sheen show. And uh, we got the rights to uh, rebroadcast his old radio recordings from the 30s and 40s. And right. The audio portion from his television shows and a few of his lectures. And uh, we've been sharing those for seven years now. So Yeah. It's wonderful. I'll for, tell for, you it. Yeah, sorry, but for people who've never had a chance to hear the radio show or watch the, you know, they're all over YouTube, so people can just go and, and watch them. What What was about? What was it about Archbishop Sheen that was so... I guess that draw that drew people in so much. What was his appeal? Well, I think what it was was he wasn't a finger wagging priest, bishop, man of uh, the cloth. Uh-huh. He he invited us in. He he wanted to tell a story. He was excited to know Jesus Christ as mm-hmm. his personal savior. Mm-hmm. He was excited about the incarnation that God so loved the world that he came to save us. And he wanted to share that with everybody so you could see his joy was infectious. Right, And he would use a, a technique of simply talking about uh, day-to-day um, events and then uh, somehow tie in Jesus' life to those events. 
and uh, did that week after week. He would, uh, you know, capture us or uh, just uh, get our attention by talking about what was important to us, Mm -hmm. but always bring the story around to Jesus. And uh, that's why we loved him so much. And he was because. a great, yeah, he was a great, sorry again to interrupt, he was just a great speaker too. I mean, he would just, like, he was not reading from a teleprompter, he's just speaking off the top of his head. And on mainstream TV, I mean, this people have to remember, this wasn't Catholic TV, this was mainstream television, Sunday night, mm-hmm. right? Or radio. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he knew how to uh, cross the boundaries of uh, what appealed to uh, other religions. You know, okay. uh, again, a third of, a third of his uh, viewers were Protestant and another mm-hmm. third of his viewers were Jewish. But he quoted the scriptures often. And so, uh, you know, our Protestant brothers, they appreciate the scriptures right. like no other. And, uh, of course, so he, he was uh, talking their language. And right. uh, they really knew that he was a scripture scholar. And yeah. they respected him for that. Wonderful. Um, a lot of people have questions about what's happening with the, the cause for beatification. Can you give us an update? Yeah, I can give you that. Uh, you know, I've sat on the board of directors for a number of years. Right, and yes. uh, Anybody that's followed the cause knows that um, there's a process that the Church follows. And, mm-hmm. uh, of course, from the very beginnings in 2002, when Bishop Janke went to the Vatican and opened, petitioned Rome to open the cause. Mm-hmm. And for 10 years, uh, you know, there was... Uh, Lots of, I uh, say, data taken in, the interviews, uh, um, you know, testimonies given to the Vatican. And in 2012, uh, the Vatican declared uh, Bishop Sheen venerable. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a beautiful, uh, just a, a great, I think everybody rejoiced, mm-hmm. uh, because it's that one step closer to sainthood. Yeah, it means the cause is and open, then, yeah. Yeah, and so then, of course, the medical miracle happened, and uh, the little boy that was uh, dead for 61 minutes and came back to life and uh, actually has no brain damage, and uh, that's a miracle in itself, too. Uh-huh. And so uh, that was all approved, and so this process keeps going along, and so the next thing is to exhume the body and uh, right. harvest relics and uh, have a beatification mass. And right. uh, what happened was we all know of what the court's uh, you know, this back and forth, this uh, wrestling over the the remains of uh, Fulton Sheen, and uh, again, the Vatican suspended the cause mm-hmm. in uh, 2014 just because of that impasse that was there. So technically, the cause stopped in 2014. It kind of uh, was suspended, so mm-hmm. it's kind of put on the shelf, per se. And so I say to people, there really isn't a cause right now, mm-hmm. in that there's no, nothing's open. It's, it's kind of a, it's on a, hold. a point in history yeah. where there was on hold. And so, again, the process is continuing with our prayers, yes. with our petitions. And, you know, the courts continue to make decisions in favor of the body going to Peoria. Right. And once the body does go to Peoria, and I, I really believe it will, mm-hmm. because, again, it is a... It's a simple request of a family that has the rights to the body, mm-hmm. uh, making that request to move the body from one cemetery to another cemetery. And that's why the courts have been so uh, favorable in saying right. this is a normal yeah. request. Yeah, it's a little... And yet, you know, there's these obstacles that, that mm-hmm. seems that the Diocese of New York are putting up. Right. And um, so, it's... you know, I... I I like to take sides, of course. Cause <laughs> I like to say I'm on a yeah, side. yeah, 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 yeah. But, yeah. But I, the courts and the, and the law, it's, the, it's, it's America. It's America. I almost have to say no more. So really the update is is that we're still in that prayer mode, and we're going to let God be God, and the courts do what Absolutely. they do. Absolutely. And uh, that's, 
That's Absolutely. all I can really say. And that's so. good. No, and people, I guess people, we always pray for causes of beatification. So people will continue praying. Um, I wanted to ask yeah. you, because, and I have to admit, I'm a little, I, I knew his work on TV. I've seen the program. I've seen heard some of the radio. I didn't even really think that he was an author. I knew he had published some books, but he's published a lot. So there's a lot of books yeah. there. If someone is interested in reading Fulton Sheen, where would you suggest that they start? What's What's the best well, book to start with? You know, I always start with the little books, and um, yeah. Fulton Sheen wrote 66 books, mm-hmm. and, you know, those books, the, the book that I read, the first book, was simply called Victory Over Vice. It was 100 pages, and it was about the seven deadly sins, okay. and how the seven last words are the antidote for those sins. Right. Uh, you know, for the sin of anger, he says, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. For the sin of gluttony, he says, I thirst. And, right. uh, you know, the sin of laziness, he says, it is finished. So um, right. beautiful little uh, note that Sheen convinced me that my sin cost the Lord his life and that he was giving me a remedy to help me to amend my life. Right. And that little book just somehow spoke to my heart. So I just say, uh, you know, read those little books. I love his um, there's a book, The Seven Words of Jesus and Mary. Uh-huh. Again, it's one of those little hundred-page books where Sheen talks about the seven times that Mary spoke in sacred scripture and the seven last words of our Lord from the right. cross. And, um, That's uh, so great. These yeah. little starters are what I try to say to people. Uh, try some of his little prayer books, uh, his uh-huh. uh, Way of the Cross, his Holy Hour prayer book. Uh, the wartime prayer book, those little uh-huh. uh, samplers, and then you'll move into the larger works. Uh, yeah. You know, and okay. uh, I, I think everybody has a copy of Life of Christ. It's a classic book of Sheen taking uh, every time the Lord spoke in Scripture, he unpackages it. Yeah. And it's a, it's a read that you can't read cover to cover. You have to do it in bite-sized pieces. Right. But still, it's there. So uh, he has his classic r- works that he has. Yeah, and then, and then the little ones. Little, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there you go. I asked for one suggestion, and you gave me three or four. So people, yeah. <laughs> no excuses. Start with the little ones, Victor Revice. In fact, you, you quote, I guess those are quoted in your anthology, The Christ of Jesus from the Cross, about the vices. Yeah. Um, yeah. See, what I- and life yeah, of life of Christ as well. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, it was very easy. So what I saw when I looked at all sixty-six books of of Archbishop Sheen and his thirty years of newspaper columns. So every week, Archbishop Sheen had a newspaper column that was in hundreds of the major newspapers all over yeah. North America. So you had Ann Landers and you had Fulton Sheen. Yeah. So. Uh, Bishop Sheen was every week writing to America and to Canada uh, and giving a little, um, you know, blurb each week. So when you unpackage everything, you see he had some themes, and Sheen wrote nine books on the seven last words Mm -hmm. uh, with different themes, and I put them all together into an anthology, and uh, that's what I found. So these little mysteries of he writes a lot about the Eucharist, he writes a lot about Mary, he writes a lot about the seven last words. So I just unlocked the, some of the secrets. Yeah. But uh, it, you have to look at all of his work in one big map, and then you see it. Yeah, you that's great. It. And that's a, also another great place where people can start. They can just get your book, um, which is not really your book. You, you're the editor, but it's Fulton <laughs> Machine's book. Right. Anyway, Al, we need to leave it there. But thank you so much. Um, I'm, I'm sure that we'll have lots of other excuses to bring you back on the program so we can talk about Fulton Sheen. Hopefully one of those will be because the cause will move forward, and then we can come and talk to him again talk about him again Uh, Alan Smith thank you so much for being with us today
Thank you, Deacon Pedro. God love you. You too. If you have a subject you would like me to write about, either send me your angel or, or write. Thank you. Bye now. And God love you. That was a conversation I had with Al Smith in June 2019. Alan Smith is a Catholic evangelist, radio host, writer, and retreat director. He is the founding director of the Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Mission Society of Canada and is the editor of The Cries of Jesus from the Cross, a Fulton Sheen anthology published by Sophia Institute Press. Since that conversation, the blockage to Fulton Sheen's cause for beatification has been lifted. His remains are now in Peoria, Illinois. You can learn more at bishopsheentoday.com. To listen to the full interview, if you missed it, go to saltandlighttv.org radio. Here now is our featured Artist of the Week, Taylor Tripodi, with Learning to Trust from her album Awakening. That was Taylor Tripodi with Learning to Trust from her new album, Awakening. We first met Taylor Tripodi exactly a year ago. She was 23 years old. She had just released her first album, Be Glorified. Almost immediately, she began working on a second album, which we've been listening to, Awakening. So it's a great excuse to have uh, Taylor back on the show. Taylor, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Oh, thank you so much, Deacon Pedro. I'm really excited to be here. I'm very excited that we're getting to hear the music before anybody else. Um, and it's and oh, it's, it's so exciting. It is exciting, and it's such good stuff. And I, you know what? I don't know. Maybe I just are not listening enough of Taylor Tripodi, so that's a, a bad on my part. But your voice, <laughs> like I started hearing this album, and I thought, wow, her voice seems to have like grown. But I, I, but it's only been a year, so. I'm a little curious about, because the the concept of voice for you is important, isn't it? 
You have this whole thing. On oh, your absolutely. Voice. You, yeah. You, maybe we should remind I, our listeners. I should, Sorry, I was just going to say we should remind our listeners that you're the oldest of nine children. So you have this a whole thing on your website about how important it is to be heard, that you find a voice. But then this idea of having a absolutely. voice. Tell me a bit about that. Oh, absolutely. I think every single person um, on the planet, you know, was given a voice for a reason. And was, uh, each of us has the unique ability to speak from our own experience about the ways that the Lord has, has touched our lives and has right. used different things in our life. And I so, I, so I think it's very important for each of us to use our voice, no matter what our gifts or talents are, whether they be music or something else, but each of us has a voice that we need to share uh, the good news of the gospel with the world. Absolutely. Sure. I, I, I have to confide in you. So as a deacon, I always found that John the Baptist is very much a diaconal model for me, and he is the voice that cries out in the wilderness, as opposed to Jesus, who is the Word, and so I, I, I'm, I'm very much on you on this whole voice, voice thing that we're called to use our voice. Um, Absolutely. Tell me about this new album. So, why Awakening? Oh, Awakening. So this song came to me after a long period of drought and just, right. I guess, a little bit of frustration with the Lord because I, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure each of us has experienced this at one point or another, but just we're wondering like where our life is headed, especially in the midst of suffering, especially mm-hmm. in the midst of just uncertainty. And it was after I'd had a vocal injury and I was just asking the Lord, like, what, what are you doing? Like, this is right. the one thing that I can give, give back to you. This is the one thing I can do for you. Like what, what could I possibly give to you now that I don't have my voice? And it was just after a season of the Lord allowing me to rest in the fact that right. I even if I had never had a voice in the first place, that he would still love me yeah. just the same. And that, and that um, this album just really came out of that pe- period of personal drought and that realization that the Holy Spirit wants to breathe new life into those, um, those, those areas of our hearts that we feel so broken and so empty. Um, and I was just so grateful that, you know, after a period of, of rest that I was able to have my voice back and was able to use it again. And, and so the song came after that long period of waiting and that long period of uncertainty. Right. So, um, so that's the that's feel, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I, no, no, no. I just I feel that I feel that the Lord just wants to speak and breathe new life through the Holy Spirit into those parts of our hearts for sure. Yeah. I uh, th- th- this whole thing about new life. So I I read something. I think it was Chris Stefanik who said that. That there's a saying that Jesus didn't come to make bad people good, but he came to make dead people alive. And and I, mm. I hear that in a lot of, I mean, the name Awakening, of course, um, The Dark Is Not Your Home. That's another title. That's a song that we're going to play later. You know, it's like, it, there, there's, it's, it's almost like an Easter album in a way. I, I mean, isn't it? Mm. Absolutely. No, yeah, I mean, definitely. The, the song, The Dark Is Not Your Home, was actually released as a single for the Easter season, yes. so it's it's very much a triumphant, it is. A triumphant song. It is. Um, you, I don't want to sound condescending, but you're so young. <laughs> but but yet there's no, that's not condescending at all. <laughs> it, but there's so much maturity to what you're saying, and to you know, like you're talking. I mean, yeah, anybody can have a vocal injury, but but the 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 maturity that comes with having gone through that experience, and then being able to you know, put it into song, I think is, is, yeah, there's a maturity there. Um, did you, cause we played, so last time you were on the show a year ago, we played Awakening, that song, cause you had just released it, I think as a mm-hmm. single. 
Um, did you know that you wanted to you wanted to do a whole album on that theme? You know, I songs just started to flow from that season, mm-hmm. and so I think I think that from from the moment that that song came out, I think I, I had hoped that I, I would eventually put together an album. Now, as for whether I had had all the songs prepared, definitely not. I think right. the Lord just kind of worked in my heart and in the hearts of the different people that I co-wrote these songs with, yeah. uh, just to kind of convey this message of, of hope in the midst of, of brokenness. Right. Are you? How do you write? Are you always composing? Do you write lyrics first and then music? How, how, what's that process like for you? I know. People always ask a, a lot about that. It's yeah. interesting. So sometimes... You know, sometimes the lyrics will come first, whether it's in prayer or, you know, reading a book. Sometimes there'll be a theme in the book that just really speaks a lot to the journey that you're on right now. But for me, it, it just really depends on, on the ways that the Lord is kind of grabbing a hold of my heart. Sometimes the melody will come first and he's just kind yeah. of wooing, wooing my heart with a different different melody. Or sometimes he'll bring a theme or, or words to, to heart and then I'll be able to kind of put them into a song. So it just mm-hmm. depends, really. And does it happen sort of in seasons as well where you're writing a lot? Or are you? do you feel like you're writing constantly? Or do you force yourself to write? All of the above. And I, I, I wonder <laughs> if, if a lot of other songwriters would say the same thing. I think, um, you know, sometimes you kind of sit down and you have a, an aim to write a, a song, and then other times it just comes yeah. to you naturally. You know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Now you're doing some 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 uh, worship leading and speaking, and I know certainly some touring. Uh, how is that? Do you feel because some people feel like they're very comfortable in the recording studio. Some people are very comfortable mm-hmm. as songwriters. Some people love performing. Mm-hmm. Uh, where where do you feel that you are most at home? Oh, I love I love live worship. That's yes. my favorite. Um, yeah. I, I absolutely love being in the studio. I, I think that's a beautiful place to be as well because mm-hmm. you're able to really take time to explore the songs. But yeah. I would say my favorite part of music, my favorite part of writing is being, being able to share this music with other people, mm-hmm. uh, especially a live audience that might be experiencing the same things that I was experiencing during the songwriting process. Right. And um, just being able to share my heart and then hopefully be able to relate to people that are going through different circumstances that can really listen to this music and to relate to it and, and just to remember that like there is hope still and that the Lord is wanting to do similar things that he's done for me in their mm-hmm. life, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a beautiful thing to witness that. It, it is. I agree. Um, uh, how do you feel you have grown as a, I guess, as a person, as a Christian, as an artist in the last year? Oh gosh, so many ways. Um, yeah, uh, I would say the biggest, the biggest thing that the Lord has been speaking to my heart recently is really just the, the absolute poverty <laughs> that mm. exists in my heart, and um, I think it's very, very hard for me to, to feel weak and to feel still that even in my weakness that I'm loved because I, I so often feel the, the need to, kind of portray this this perfect image or like like everything's good but i think that the lord has been showing me especially just recently like that i am loved in my poverty and i'm loved in my weakness mm-hmm. and that um that actually through weakness is where he where he chooses to use us the most and where he chooses to just chooses to just come down and meet us in that place you know mm-hmm. so amen 
Um, are you already yeah. working on the next? Already working on the next album? Oh gosh, um, <laughs> I, I hope I hope too soon. I, I wouldn't say I'm actively working okay. on the next one, but I am. I'm always open to yes. inspiration. Always open to whatever is next. Good, so, good, yeah. good. No, because it's it's good stuff. Um, so this album, Awakening, is dropping on August 30th. So all the music that people are hearing on this program today, you're hearing it for the first time, and hopefully it's exciting you enough to go to taylortripodi.com and uh, buy her copy of Awakening because it's great, great music, great music not just for Easter but for the summer. I'm going to say it's good summer music. So, um, Taylor, thank you, for, uh, thank you for writing it and thank you for doing what you do and for sharing a little bit about it with us today. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. You can learn more about Taylor Tripodi, purchase the album Awakening, or book her for your event as at her website, as I mentioned, taylortripodi.com. And Tripodi is T-R-I-P-O-D-I, taylortripodi.com. I'm going to put that link on our site, saltonlighttv.org slash radio, so you can find it easily. And uh, if you want to listen to this interview again or for the rest of the program, also go to the, our website, saltonlighttv.org slash radio. Um, here now is Taylor Tripodi with The Dark Is Not Your Home from her new album, Awakening. Oh, death had held me down My name you shouted out You called me from my grave You called me from my grave So We're listening to Taylor Tripodi with The Dark Is Not Your Home from her album Awakening. And that concludes the special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. If you missed the beginning of the show, go to saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's where you can listen to all our Salt and Light Hour programs. You can also subscribe to the free Salt and Light Hour podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have Roku, look for Salt and Light TV and the Salt and Light Hour. If you like our program, Go to saltandlighttv.org to learn how you can support us. We can't do this show without your support. And if you want to find me, I'd love to hear from you. Go to Facebook or look for me on Twitter. Just look for Deacon Pedro. Thank you for listening. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been a special Best of Edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Yeah.